that, that is what it's all about. That is what it's all about. It's great to see people come to know the Lord, grab my coffee. I'm going to need it. I've heard the message already. And I'll tell you this, man, I, uh, I was down with the flu. I, I left the church on Sunday afternoon, this past Sunday. You know, we had, uh, you know, a lot of people here again, uh, you know, baptisms and all that kind of stuff. It was a great day. Had some lunch with uh, some folks, you know, and uh, my wife and I did. And, and that uh, started going on the way home. I'm like, oh, man, I am tired. I think I was just going to take a nap for like an hour or so like that. I had to go back to the you know, 5 o'clock service for, uh, for the Shawnee campus, and, um, and by the way, when he walks out, please, please, like, let's erupt in, uh, in, in, uh, applause again when Micah and, uh, and them guys come out, so, how you doing, Pops? You good? All right, that's a proud dad right there, man. But I walked out of the, uh, walked out of the, uh, went to the 5 o'clock service in Shawnee, and, uh, on the way up there, just getting like just kind of lightheaded and dizzy. It's like, man, let's shake this off. You know, I've been kind of fasting a little bit. That kind of thing. Thought, thought that maybe what it was. And uh, went to the went to five o'clock service about five forty-five. I just looked at everybody. And says, I got to go home. Right. I, I I've got to go. I just started freezing and I I couldn't like focus and everything. I thought I, before it's not good for me to drive. I better go. Went home. Uh, laid down Sunday evening, and I don't think I got really out of bed or off the couch until Wednesday or so. And uh, something hit me, hit me like I had the flu or of of some kind. And so Wednesday, I'm still like in and out of sort of semi consciousness. Now, in the meantime, I'm putting a message together all week, and this is weird because I'd wake up and like get on my laptop, like okay. And God's like, "Been you, you ever get those weird dream, half dream, half?" Like you're half reality, half dream when you're sick and that kind of thing. Well, it's like I had all these weird thoughts about uh, my old psychology class and like Freud and Maslow and all. I was like, what the heck is going on here, man? You know, because I thought about this in a long time. And uh, so, it, you know, and, as I'm putting, and I'm putting the message together and it's all about, you, you remember when Jesus said that, that the greatest of commandments is to love the Lord with God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind? Well, this whole idea about your mind and what, what we're supposed to do with it and how God is supposed to, we're supposed to use our minds God's way. Man, it's like, come on, right on. Yeah, baby. Dude, dude, right on, man. Awesome, awesome. Woo. Love it. So, how, how, you know, the, the way we're supposed to use our minds, God's way, if we're supposed to love God with all of our minds too, then, then we've got a, our, our approach and our thoughts and the way our mindset has got to be the way God wants. Amen? And this is the way, this is what he's been, he was pounding on me as I'm on my, I'm thinking of my deathbed. I wasn't quite sure, like, oh, if I can, it's a big one, Elizabeth, I'm coming, right? It's like, woo. You know, and, and, he, and he starts saying, you know, our thoughts, our mindset, the way we think has got to be, man. And, and a lot of people think, well, that's not really spiritual. And it actually is. Because if we're supposed to love him with all that, with our mind included, we've got to be thinking in those ways. 
If you guys know, uh, we got a lot of new visitors again. If I haven't had a chance to visit you, actually, I kind of freaked one of the visitors out this morning. I thought she had visited last week. I was like, hey, welcome back. She's like, no, no, that's my first time, bro. Like, oh, it's like, oh, my bad. You look just like the same lady from last week. When she comes in again, I'll, maybe I dreamt that. I don't know. I have no idea. God was giving me some foreshadows during my flu season or something. But, but, um, but by the way, if you are a first-time visitor, uh, fill out a Connect card, and we will have somebody, if you will uh, go to the orange table at the end of the service and uh, turn that in, we've got a gift for you if you're a first-time visitor. Also, um, as we're talking about a third service and you want to volunteer for different things like serving and greeting and Kid City and that kind of thing for a third service, coffee bar, uh, ushering, that, all those kinds of things, uh, put that on your Connect card and say you'd like to be a part of that because we are looking at a, uh, a, or a third service. We don't know if it's going to be a 5 o'clock. We don't know if it's going to be an 8.15. Everybody's like, what? I know everybody screams every time I say 8.15, so I'm thinking, eh, it may not be that. I don't know because I scream inside too. Um, but it's one of those uh, things we're trying to figure out. But, but if you're new with us, man, we do have four, four what we call 2020 visions. And I want you to, to look at these real quick, and you can start filling these out on your bulletin or on your app. By the way, if you uh, do fill out, if you grab an app, man, if you will um, uh, fill that out. By the way, can somebody make sure the AC is on? Uh, I think we got some people getting, getting seeing some people fan stuff. Can somebody make sure that's on? These times, not only the time change, but the weather change is getting everybody. But I want to uh, go over these 2020 visions with you real quick, because if, if you're new with us, I want to make sure that you know where we're coming from and why we are here and what we are doing. 2020 vision for New, 20, New City Church. First off, we are a church where everyone is known and everyone knows that they are known. Uh, the important thing for us that we, we do as a, as a church, and this is when I start talking about our mindset and our thinking and what we're, what we're uh, talking about as far as how to approach this, is that we've got to be thinking the way, way God thinks. Like if God says that you are known and I've known you since before you were, you were born, Right? This is before you were ever conceived, I've known you. Then, then that's a kind of a habit that we've got to develop. One of the reasons why we have a clipboard, by the way, if you don't have a clipboard, if you would take the clipboard and sign it and uh, pass that down. We do, um, we do want to, we, we have people like looking at this, praying over these names, praying over each other. And if you recognize a name or you see a name that you don't recognize, if you want to take note of that person and say, God, if you will, you like, like specifically pray for uh, that person, that'd be great. So we want to start doing and developing some of these habits today and start doing those things now. Because if this is a, tw- a vision that we want to have by 2020, we've got to start living these kinds of things today. Amen? Second reason, second vision that we have is a, we, a church, uh, a 2020 vision, that we are a church who makes disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. And this is just who we are as a church. This is what we do as a church, it is no longer an option for us. It is no longer an option for, say, Micah to get baptized and not be taught to obey the scriptures. So Jesus said the great commission or the great command. Uh, yeah, the great commission um, is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you to do. We are also a church where the community is better off because we are in it and the community knows it. So we've got actually something called Jump Into Spring coming on, uh, on April 9th that is going to be after the service. We're going to have bounce houses and a community meal and folks like that. We want to make sure the community knows that they're loved, 
knows that they are benefited by our very presence as a church. We want to essentially reestablish the, the, uh, the I'm lost my mind. We want to reestablish the, uh, it's not been unusual. We want to reestablish the reputation of the church in the community. It's very important for us to do that, that we do, because uh, frankly, if you're, we're going to be honest, the church doesn't have that great of a reputation in the world, if you will. It's all, it's, you know, it's, it's become something that is more of a club, but it has nothing this necessarily as an impact on a society. One of the things that we uh, finally we were talking about, and this is what we're talking about now, is that we're an extremely generous church. One of the reasons why we have this call, thing called, uh, this series called We Greater Than, Than Me. And on March 31st and April 1st, we're having something called, and I want you guys to really be praying about this. This is going to be on a Friday evening and a Saturday morning. And it's, a, it's kind of an in-depth look in what it looks like to be a generous whole life, generous person. And it's called the, the, uh, A Journey of Generosity. Um, so, yeah, and so this is where we are, and this is what I'm talking about. I got sick this week. Hold on a second. My, my nose is running and everything. So I got sick this week, right? And so my approach to being sick was, was like, oh, man, uh, you know, this thing is kicking my butt, right? And this thing is, like, wearing me out, and it's like I had to cancel a bunch of bunch of meetings and that kind of thing and that probably needed to do that but one of the things that God was talking to me about this week was he was saying things to me as I'm like half asleep half awake and I know that sounds weird but but he was saying things to me about like listen man your mind bro you got to get your mind right you got to get your thinking right in this you got to get your thoughts correct on this because man you're no longer a freaking victim in this like, you're submitting to the flu virus. You're not submitting to me. You ever thought about it? I'm, I'm like, come on, God. I got the flu, man. Give me a break. And then over and over, he starts talking about, hey, remember what Freud talked about? Because you always, you know, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. See, Sigmund Freud had this idea that, that, that our psyche and our mentality is a result of Things that happen to us. Like, he had this thing called the, uh, if you recall, if you, anybody ever taken a basic psychology class? Like, he had this thing called the id, right? And he said the id is your basic instincts you're, you're born with. Your ego or the basically how you sort of live your life around your environment. And your superego or the norms and the customs and the way you were brought up. And, it, and, and these are the things that happen to you which make you the way you are, Right? And, 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 and even Maslow, if you talk about Maslow, he's got the whole Maslow's hierarchy of needs where you've got your basic needs and then the whole pinnacle of success as far as psychiatry goes or psychology goes is that you are a, uh, you're, you, are, you have uh, the self, uh, <coughs> I'm suffering here, I'm sorry. You have a self-actualization. Uh, uh, so you have the pinnacle of self-esteem and self-actualization, all the different things. Like it's all about yourself, and it's all about what happens to you, and has nothing to do with God's influence on your life. And man, it kind of freaked me out. And I'm like, wait a second, I'm no longer a victim in this. Like I sat up, I, like Judy, Judy looked at me Thursday night. I'm laying in bed, going, oh, oh, oh. she said, "All right, that's it. You're going to the doctor. That's it." So I don't do doctors. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not anti-doctor. I just haven't been to a doctor in a long time. And I'm sitting there going, I'm sitting there going, all right, I'm going to the doctor right now. So I'm going all the way to the doctor, and God's like, bro, you haven't even talked to me about this. 
You haven't even asked me about this. You haven't asked me what to do. And I said, God, you're right. I said, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? Who do you want me to talk to? Do you want me to pick up some medicine of some kind? Do you want me to go to the doctor? What, do you, what is it you want me to do? And he's like, I want you first. This is what he laid on me. I want you first to no longer look at this whole idea of being sick and having the flu is that this is something that has happened to you. I want you to look at this from the standpoint of, of you are my child, you are royalty, and your thinking and your mentality and your approach to all this is that you are no longer a slave to this. So I started singing the, I'm no longer a slave to the flu, but I am a child. Can we get on the keyboard? Of God, right? And Judy's like, you are so stupid. <laughs> I said, I don't have the flu no more, baby. And you guys, uh, after my mentality this morning, you're like, whoa, I think he's, some, he's still suffering. But I'm still, yeah, I'm still kind of foggy, no doubt about it. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, man. Like, there is absolutely no doubt our approach has got to be, man, our approach has got to be um, with, 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 out of doubt, our approach has to be that we are children of God, victorious in absolutely everything, including the freaking flu. Amen? All of us, all of us. I sit here and watch um, Mama Cheryl Moreland, you know, suffer through all kinds of cancer treatments and, and comes into church and just smiling and just like, man, victorious in that. And I'm sitting there laid up in bed going, oh, poor pitiful me, right? All week having to cancel all my meetings and that kind of thing. And I don't want to make anybody sick, and I get it. But it was a really, really, man, eye-opening thing for, my, for me. One of the scriptures that came to mind was 2 Corinthians 10.5. Listen to what he says. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. We've talked about this, this passage or this uh, letter to the church. Here, and listen to what he says. He said, we demolish arguments. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And see, here's the deal with these things like that, man. Like it, it takes all kinds of overcoming the culture and overcoming what people say you're supposed to, to do. I mean, I, I'm looking, dude, I'm looking at Jeff, my buddy Kalasic, who was hit by a drunk driver. And his approach to this was never, I mean, I'm sure there were times, bro, that you had some, had some tough, tough, you know, like sometimes like, God, why did this happen to me? But man, I was so much more of a wimp than Jeff ever was for the last two years. Dude's walking with no cane, like, this dude was not supposed to be here today, right? Right? His attitude about this was like, I'm going to defeat this. And guys, listen, when it comes to things like generosity, when it comes to things like the visions that we talked about before. It is important and imperative for us to have this approach that we are the children of God. That, that we're, we're, man, we look at it like, well, I can't be generous because I'm broke. Or I can't be generous because I don't have no time. I can't be generous because, man, I'm so tired. I'm sick. I'm this and that. It's like, wait a second, man. We're, we're, we're children of God. That's it. That's it. Philippians 2, 1 through 3. 
says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any, incur- any comfort from his love, any, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then this is Paul talking to this church in Philippi, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, having one spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, rather value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And in everything we're supposed to do that. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed by that. It was such a crazy revelation. I wish my head wasn't quite so foggy so I could tell, articulate it a little bit better to you. But it's, a, it's an incredible like thing approach like we've got to be man when i say gangsta i'm not talking about like yeah man my, i'm talking about like like i'm texting pete like that man we're, we're a couple of jet, we can't be like like freaked out about our, our sickness we can't be like victimized by our sickness man we're a couple of jesus finest here right come on we've got to go we got we're going he goes absolutely let's let's roll let's get after this man amen i want to encourage us to do that i want to encourage us to to take the approach of ain't no way that anything's going to be touching me. Because we, I mean, we are children of the Lord. And, and if we die here today, we get to live forever. You can't kill us. See, remember when I talked about the, and this is what's crazy. I was talking about the, the id and the ego and the superego, right? And I'm going to use Freudian type of a thing to, help us understand this approach because this ego part of the personality is where this whole idea of self-preservation comes in and where, where, where if you're scared you're fight or flight now i'm not a big freud guy i think freud was kind of a freak but i'm going to use his 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 analogies if you will to help us understand jesus a whole lot more so one of the things about the ego part of the personality and it kicked in for me probably about 10 years ago i was uh, i was a landlord <laughs> for uh for an apartment building that we uh, owned and managed and uh man there was a guy that came in I, i'll never forget i was we had, i was working at another building and uh i got i got these phone calls from all these tenants they're like hey there's a bunch of cops around our our apartment building i'm like uh, okay they're like nine nine of them they came out of a, it was like swat team guys you know came out all strapped up and everything comes out of a they come out of a, a you know darked out van and everything surrounding, knocking on people's windows, freaking everybody out, right? So I go over and they're gone. I'm like, golly, all right. A couple of days later, hey man, there's about there's a bunch of bunch of cops out here again. There's SWAT, they're surrounding this building, right? And uh, they, you know, so I call the police. I'm like, hey, could you tell me what's going on? Because you know, the sign on the front has my phone number on it. If you ever want to get let in, I could probably help you with that and they're like all right cool so they called me the next time they wanted to go visit somebody and they were like all right um and I, so we made it made an uh, appointment and i said you know talk to me about what's going on and the guy's like well you know we, we're trying to find so-and-so do you know who this guy is the guy's name is carlton i said no i have no idea i have no idea who that is i don't I, you, know, you know i know everybody in the whole building i do all the leases i let everybody in have no idea who it is and uh and he says well, do you know this person or that person? I'm like, nope, nope, nope. And he says, do you know a, a, a Melissa, you know, her last name? And I said, well, there's a new lady named Melinda that just moved in. 
I said, but other than that, I don't know. And he goes, hold on. Flip this. You can hear him rustling papers. He's like, yeah, that's her. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. She just moved in a couple weeks ago. He goes, well, we're looking for her boyfriend. He's wanted for a drive-by shooting over in Kansas City, Kansas. This is in Jackson County. He's wanted for uh, a murder over in um, Wyandotte County. I'm like, well, I'll give her a shout. Say, hey, what's going on with this? She goes, well, my boyfriend's crazy. Um, one of the reasons I moved into your place is to try to get away from him. He found out where I lived. Uh, I was hiding out from the cops. Said he'd kill me if I didn't leave and let him live there. And uh, that's why I'm living with my mama right now. I'm like, all right, here's what I'm going to do. And I am telling you now, if you call him and tell him I'm coming in and I get shot because of you, I'm throwing everything out, <laughs> out, of, out of the curb for you, right? And so she said, yeah, I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock on the door. I'm going to hey, say, hey, Melinda, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, fix your air conditioning this morning. Sorry it took me so long to get over here, but I'm here to fix it. So if you call him and tell him I'm coming in, I'm going to have the cops with me. They're going to take him away. And so I'm tap, tap, tap. <laughs> Linda, hey, right? Here to work on your air conditioner. Open the door. Cops are on the side. He's in there on the couch, right? Four of them guys go in there, go get him. And they come out. And he's, of course, glaring at me. And I'm like, I'm just here to work on the air conditioner, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) That ain't on me, bro. Man, they came up on me like that. Did you see that? That, Right. Um, And so so they take him off. And the, the police says, hey, listen, we'd like to get your name and your phone number and your, or your address and all that kind of stuff. We'd like to send you a letter of accommodation. We have been looking for this guy for a while. And uh, so we wanted to help you, you know, get, get this taken care of. And, and we really want to give you a letter, letter of accommodation from the, from the police. And if there's anything you need us to do, we'll, we'll do. I'm like, dude, no, I, don't, I don't really need anything. I'm working over at the building the next day. Uh, at, at another building, get a call, phone call. Hey, that dude's back. I'm like, no, nah, come on, man. I said, there ain't no way, man. He's wanted for murder, you know. And she said, no, no, he's back. He just came in. He just came in, and uh, and he's asking for you, right? Let me ask you something. Is my uh, is my survival instinct about to kick in? My fight or flight, my ego part of if if Freud's right, my ego part is like in high gear right now, right? So I call the police. I'm like, bro, <laughs> I don't. I said, could you, hey, could you, could, could you like, like instead of sending a letter to of uh, commendation, could you send a cop to my house, <laughs> right? I said, because they just let this guy out and then he starts cussing up and they, are you kidding me? I'm like, uh, no, I'm not. I was like, bro, this is why people don't get involved. You see something, say something. It's like, yeah, but they're out the next day. And apparently there's like a 20-hour window in Jackson County that if you don't have enough evidence to directly hold them, they have to let them go until the trial or whatever. I'm like, you mean nine guys that were trying to tap, trying to get into my building didn't have enough evidence to hold the guy? That's amazing to me. And the sad part is, and here's the, the terrible part, about two weeks later, he killed the tenant of mine and his own mom. 
right? And so for that, those two weeks, I'm not going over to the building. I'm like, I ain't no way I'm going to get shot by this guy, man, right? I'm just not going to do it. My, my, fl- my fight or flight decided to flee because I was scared. Now, I understand I should have been scared, and I get those kinds of things, but, but ultimately, if I'd have been thinking more along the lines of being a child of God, I'd be like, I'm going to go no matter what happens, that happens, and I don't want to be stupid. And Judy's probably going, no, you ain't, bud. Right? She thinks she still loves me. Um, she, thinks she, she thinks she still loves me. <laughs> I'm not a victim, man. I'm not a victim of the flu. But it's a sad thing. And here's the thing that, that blew my mind, and here's the thought that I kept having all week, was that, that all the disciples from Jesus' time saw him alive as they were with him through his ministry. Many of them saw him dead. John for sure saw him dead. They all knew he was dead. And then they saw him alive afterwards, right? So he rose from the dead. All of his disciples saw him afterwards. You know, this whole fight or flight, being scared of the people, or being scared of others, when, when you have a, 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 a group of disciples that are following Jesus and the world is hunting them down, then they have to overcome, according to Freud, they have to overcome that ego part of the personality to let themselves be harmed in any way. See, every one of the disciples, though, died for what they said they saw except for John. They said they, they, they looked at John and they, or they, they said, you know, people, people said, oh, you're, you're a follower of Jesus, we're going to kill you. And they, they let him do it. Why? Because they, not because they had some um, great new teaching or great new religion or great new way of, way of uh, looking at the world because they've got Jesus that taught them. No, they, they saw Jesus alive and then they, or they saw him dead, and then they saw him alive afterwards. Like, like the whole idea of, of the ego part of the personality, if Freud's work is right, then there is absolutely no, nothing else that you can explain other than Jesus rose from the dead, and his disciples were willing to die for what they said they saw. Right? Because they were willing to run in fear after his death, just like I was willing to run in fear after, the, after the, this dude was looking for me. Right? I think he's still in jail. I'm still hoping he is. But, but do you understand, what I'm, you understand what I mean on that? Like it, was a, it blew my mind to be thinking about how, how much they had to overcome their fears of harm. And yet they still did it because it was worth it. Because they said, we saw an alive Jesus. We know we can't die. Mark 8, I'll finish with this. Mark 8, 1 through 21. It says, during those days, another large crowd gathered. You can come on up, John, if you want. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, but, but where in this remote place can anyone get bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Jesus said. Seven, they replied. Notice they were asking questions about self-preservation again. He told the crowd to sit on the ground, and when he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them 
to his disciples to distribute to the people, and they did so. They had, a, they had a few small fish as well, and he gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up the seven basketfuls of, 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 broken, of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 were present. After he had sent them away, he got into a boat with his disciples and went to the region of, somebody help me with that one, Dal, Dalmanutha. I'll take it. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus, to test him, and they asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. And then he left them, got back into the boat, and crossed to the other side. The disciples, listen to this, the disciples had forgotten to bring bread. They had all this extra bread, all this bread left over, right? They had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of, of Herod. He's talking about some of the teachings and the religious teachings and those kinds of things. All those things that are going on, man. He's like, be careful of those teachings, right? We've got to be careful in our minds. He said, be thinking straight, fellas. And they discussed this with one another and and said, it is because we have no bread. And I'm thinking, Jesus is probably like McFly. Come on. Dude, I just saw what you just saw. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, this is another time you had done this very same miracle, similar. How many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. When I broke the seven loaves of the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered seven. And he said them, said to them, Do you still not understand? It's amazing to me, guys. Amazing to me how our approach to generosity, our approach to the Lord, our approach to Jesus can be absolutely limited by ourselves and our own thinking and our own fears and our own self preservation. See, all these things that we're talking about as far as the way we think and the way we approach and the the initial attitude when it comes to Christ's provisions, man, is so key to how we, like, live our lives for the Lord. Like when we say, okay, well, I've got to start doing this and I've got to start doing that. And it's like, man, it it is Jesus that has already done it. Let's just step into his rhythm. Man, he rose from the dead. I, I don't care. Somebody could, could call us all kinds of weird names and Jesus freaks and all kinds of, whatever they want to say, right? Bible thumpers and, and weirdos and whatever. And it's like, yeah but, yeah, but none of those people rose from the dead. Why am I afraid of them, right? Why am I afraid about some gangbanger who's a murderous thug, right? It's like, man, God has got us. God has got us. And so whatever he provides, all his provisions, all the things that he does, man, and just rest in that. Amen? 
man, I hope this was, this was like, like, like spoke to you some this morning. Man, we do not need to be afraid or victimized anymore. Like we are truly victorious in the Lord. We are his. We are royalty. We are pri- Man, do you realize we are priests? Direct access to God. Man, we got to live that way, and we got to have some, have some swag, don't we, Joan? Right? Right? A little bit of swag? Okay. We got to, though, man. Man, have some, I mean, we got to walk around, like, like not, not with a lack of humility. I'm not talking about, like, in our own power, but, but understanding we have a power in Christ that, that propels us to some incredible stuff and incredible things if we will let in and no longer be a victim, no longer be a slave to to the flu, or to fear. Or to what man can do to us. And to be thinking as far as whose we are. That the Lord will provide for us in absolutely every way. And out of that, we're generous to other people. Out of that, we're gracious to other people. Out of that, we're loving. Out of that, we're all... But it starts with our approach like we are His. And He gives it in abundance. Amen? Father, we love you, and thank you for getting us through this first, uh, or getting me through this first message. Um, I pray, Lord, that you get me through the second one as well. Well, Lord, you are incredibly wonderful and giving, God. And I thank you more than I can ever, on behalf of all of us, Lord. I thank you for what you've given and what you've continued to give. And I thank you for your generosity. Lord, I ask that you just, and do what you do. And show us what it means, God, to, to walk with confidence in you, not in ourselves, not in the things that we can do, not in the approval of others, not in any kind of self actualization or self-esteem or ego submitting to the to the ways of man but Lord we we submit to your ways and we live your ways it's in your son's awesome and amazing name all God's people in the house said amen